You're listening to Radio Primavera Sound, proudly presented by Cupra. Welcome to the Weekly Review, the radio show where Generation X and Generation Z come together for a cultural exchange, overlooking some of the latest releases and premieres that keep us distracted from the horrors that are happening around us. On today's show, we'll shed light on the new album from adult-oriented pop masters Tears for Fears, who've been sampled by everyone from Drake to Kanye. Speaking of whom, we shall comment on his latest release, Donda 2, and its correspondent STEM player exclusivity. Mar's been following the latest season of Euphoria, which ended this week, and she would like us to understand why. Why? It is the, go the goat of teenage drama shows. That's because she never watched Saved by the Bell. But anyway, <laughs> she doesn't get the reference. <laughs> I know. There's, I think there's a remake out of it. There is. I haven't seen it, though. Do you not know? There's a Saved by the Bell remake, but I think they made it a bit serious. Oh, my God. Wait. Well, then, okay, that's that's opened another melon. Hang on. There's also a new high-concept show on Apple TV produced by, uh, directed by Ben Stiller that's pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. And we may have time to talk about it briefly or not, because this is the Weekly Review, hosted by Ben Cardew, Marvai Verdu, and myself, Johan Wall, with Rob Roman twisting the knobs on the other side of the glass. And sometimes it's very hard to keep things short. So we'll try and pack in as much as we can into this tin like sardines. Last Friday was met with the release of a new Tears for Fears album, the adult-oriented, sophisticated pop duo formed by Roland Orzabal and Kurt Smith returned to the studio after some life-shattering events in their personal lives to deliver the kind of pop songs that made them daytime radio mainstays for decades and one of the most influential acts on the planet. This new album is called The Tipping Point, and they certainly haven't lost their touch, even if it isn't really packed with hits that can match Shout, Head Over Heels, Mad World, Sowing the Seeds of Love, or even break it down from Orzabal's period as a soul member uh, in the 90s of The Fears. Uh, the title track, however, does have the kind of stomping beat similar to Everyone Wants to Rule the World that will keep fans happy. Um, ben, you weren't really impressed, were you, with this return? So there, there comes an age, right, where you... <laughs> an age. An, an age, an, an age. When, like, the bands you kind of, like, thought were just kind of, like, jokey pop bands in, in the past, like, become really revered. You're like, really? What? You really like you too? Like, but everyone always hated them. Or like, oh, what, you really like Bruce Springsteen? But he was always rubbish. Or like... <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. Twisting the knife in there. Yeah, we're going for it now. Um, and a similar thing happened to Tears for Fears. Like, I liked Tears for Fears' big hits um, back in, in in the 80s. You know, I was around then, and I thought they were, they were pretty, pretty damn banging. And then, um, particularly when they remade Everyone Wants to Rule the World, Everyone Wants to Run the World uh, to support some kind of sports initiative, which is great. Um, but... Then, like, you know, there was a moment when everyone started going on about them being, like, really, really good and really kind of, like, seriously, like... Was it around about the time of Donnie Darko? Maybe? Yes. Well, that, that kind of yeah. thing. And I was like, oh, oh, okay, okay. And so, as, as you should do, being open-minded. You know, because sometimes it happens, not in the case of The Boss or you 2 but sometimes <laughs> it happens. So you then go back to them and be like, oh, okay, no, all right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, when you're young, you don't really distinguish these things. It's just all kind of music you know yeah um and sometimes you go back to them and you're like oh, okay no I, I i get it and and um i it never really happened to me with tears for fears like i kind of went back to them and was like yeah there's some pretty good kind of songs there but i don't hold them at that kind of like massively elevated level that, that a lot of a lot of people do um and so i don't know like it, it this album just didn't really didn't really do very much for me i thought it was like 
it was it's not what I like in music, to be honest. It's trying to be like really, really, really big. I mean, to be honest, okay, you two and Bruce Springsteen are quite good, good kind of um, analogies for me because like they don't do anything small, nothing small at yeah. all ever. It's all like the biggest thing in the world. I'm going to play the biggest stadium and the biggest rock. And you know, like if you go and see Bruce Springsteen live, which I had the unfortunate. Uh, unfortunate misfortune to do <laughs> god it was terrible um like you 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 basically just see like it's all really big gestures and you realize you're standing there in a field and someone's going hey what's the time boss and he's like it's rock time you're like oh shut uh. up this is god awful but like loads of thousands and thousands of people are loving it and, it, and it's the same kind of thing it's like so big everything is like signposted it's just like this is big like the yeah. drums are big the synths are big you know the production's big the songs are big the themes are big and it's just like i don't know i don't i don't i don't want it so big because it doesn't it, it's like i think the independent called it arena sized catharsis which i think they thought was a good thing well they did because they gave it 10 out of 10 it's like i don't want arena sized catharsis i don't think that's good it's kind it's quite platitudinous you know because if you go big either you hit it you're like oh my god yeah we do everybody does want to rule the world you're you're damn right we do all want to shout and let it all out or you miss in which case it's like well yeah a tipping point well so what like all right well what you know it just didn't didn't kind of work for me also what the hell is going on with the sort of glam rock electronic bigs they've, they've come there that was just weird it's like gold frap b-side and that is not something that anybody wants to sound like uh in 2022 or indeed any any yeah. other year um i know I better know. than bruce springsteen better than you two uh but worse than the entire else. collected works of Gallon Drunk. Thing is, I'll always allow bands in in such a later stage in their careers to not be as amazing on an on an album as you know an eighties or a nineties period. But what I like about bands like Tears for Fears or I was I can't think of them without thinking of Prefab Sprout or um, Paddy McAloon from Prefab Sprout who. I remember when he started getting revered by music critics at a time, all of a sudden it was like, hang on, this music that was super popular in the 80s on commercial mainstream radio, it wasn't it wasn't cheap pop music. It wasn't like, oh, let's make a sort of easy hooks and stuff. These were proper crafts uh, musicians, same as Mark Hollis from Talk Talk. Talk Talk were always very critically revered. Uh, they've been mm, they they people sort of say that they invented post rock or 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 a style of post rock. You know, those sort of instrumentals and and creating moods on an album, this kind of stuff. Uh, so I always think Tears for Fears sit cl very well amongst those bands. What was the other one? Deacon Blue? Did Good Christ, is it a Deacon Blue revival in? in <laughs> they're they're kind of there. Simple Minds, yeah, 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 yeah. It's it, They were all sort of very good quality uh, pop songs for the radio. And it, it not far from the kind of soft rock that we like as well that... Your friends Daft Punk are always talking about and stuff, but these, but these bands here for fears and stuff, they weren't included in that sort of cool, sort of bag of of the soft rock, yacht rock kind of bands of the early '80s and the and the disco funk guys and stuff. This was a different kind of thing. Um, Phil Collins again. Phil Collins. Everyone sort of laughs at me whenever I I, I DJ Susudio, but it's an incredible song. It's got an incredible vibe, and I whenever I listen to these albums. I can just see the most expensive recording studios. And I just feel, I've always said this, I like feeling rich, feeling rich when I listen to certain music. Like like Drake makes me feel rich. And it's funny because Drake is one of the typical examples of a rapper who is always name dropping Tears for Fears or Enya. Enya is on a league of her own. But it's, I don't know, It's they always had these wonderful textures that when you sample them on some of these trap beats, it always makes things sound lush. And I feel like Anna Delvey saying, you know, whenever I feel, I like feeling rich. I don't like feeling poor. <laughs> I will send you a wire transfer, for God's sake. <laughs> Stop being so poor. Um, sorry, that was... That was pretty uh, good. That, that, was, that was your best impression. <laughs> I'm working on it. I'm obsessed with the Anna Delvey accent. I think that um, the accent... Actress, I can't remember her name. She was in Ozark. I remember. Uh, she deserves. She deserves an award. I mean, how you came up with that accent? I mean, I don't. I've, I haven't watched videos of the real Anna Sorkin. Sorkin or Sorkin? Sorkin. I think. Sorkin. Uh, how she speaks, but obviously she must. 
And it's, it's a wonderful accident. Anyway, <laughs> You'd presume so, wouldn't you? <laughs> I, I've derailed. Anyway, tears for fears. Um, but can yeah. I just say, like, I know I'm in the minority of this. I know most, like, most people like you 2 and Bruce Springsteen and Tears for Fears. And, like, the reviews for this album have been really good. And loads of people really like it. And also it came from, like, you know, very, very sad circumstances. I'm really glad they got back together and done now. But it just did. I'm glad you like it. It just did. It just did nothing for me. It was a chore. And let's see what side the youth is on. <laughs> <laughs> I, am I the youth? <laughs> you still are, Mark. From our, from our in perspective, this room, I am. in this room, you are. Um, yeah, I, I obviously I don't know nothing ever. Um, so <laughs> I, I didn't know um, Tears for Fears, but maybe I, I, I know their best hits. I don't know, um, but I didn't know like them as a band, like as a name that I could remember. So I was like, okay, um, I'm going to listen to this album that's allegedly but by this major band I should know of, um, but I have no clue what the music they play, what I should expect. So I went completely blank on on to lis- first listening the album. Hmm. And my feeling and my final review is that they do, like what I felt while listening is, I felt like it was the original soundtrack to either a Broadway musical mm. or a Disney 90s cartoon like <laughs> Phil Collins' um, Tarzan. Tarzan, yes. Yeah, he, he went off on that soundtrack. So I felt like it was like a movie I didn't know of, but I was listening to the soundtrack of that movie. Because there were like, each song was like, oh, here the bill- it's the villain's moment to sing um, whatever he's singing. Yeah. Oh, here's the, the sad, sappy um, song where they, I don't know, Simba dies. Or <laughs> here is, and I, I got the images of like a movie I didn't know existed. And, and that's my review. If any but, children are listening, Simba never dies. Simba <laughs> lives forever. He becomes Mufasa, the Lion sorry. King. Mufasa. Johan, you have you have form in this. <laughs> Mufasa, well, actually, not Mombasa. <laughs> <laughs> what your Disney references? Sorry, Ben. What? I was going to say you have form in letting down children, don't you? I know exactly. I'm trying to make a mess. No, because it's actually true. Simba never dies. Simba never dies. Mufasa dies. Mufasa, don't spoil it for anyone. <laughs> Sorry, kids. Uh, anyway, um, but you see, I agree. That's what I agree with you because it is. It is very like this is the sad moment. This is you know. It's it's very uh, paint by numbers. Yeah, kind of expensive kind of paint by numbers. What mm. what do you like? You like it because it sounds. Expensive? You like it because you, you yeah. get to feel like you're. <laughs> it, oh, it doesn't sound like it was made in a bedroom with all the presets of it. You know, it sounds like these guys know their way around a studio and they know, you know, they know who to bring in. What a funny, an interesting fact about the making of this album was that their management team had proposed them to work with some of today's uh, uh, um, biggest hit makers and hit makers that could make songs in the key of early tears for fears. And apparently it was a disaster. Like they, they had all these incredible sort of radio hits, but when you put them together on an album and sequenced them, it was just, it just didn't work. And they made the wise decision of scrapping all that. And it's like, look, let's just, you know, Curtin Roland, let's get into the studio. Let's uh, with the musicians that tour with them have been touring with them for ages and let's just keep things simple. Let's do what we know how to do. And that's what this album sounds like. It's like, look, let's not try and outdo our best period. Let's just see what we sound like now. And it still sounds like Tears for Fears. As I say, maybe it's not as... I don't know. Are people not uh, able to make exciting music when they reach a, a certain age? Uh, I, I'm trying to think of... Other examples of artists who've had uh, decades of careers and have made an incredible... Okay, Bob Dylan's New makes, Order. New Order? Their most recent album was great. Really good. What was their recent album? Oh, I can't. Hang on, let me... Damn it. I, I, I left off when there was, there was Waiting for the Sirens call. Yeah, no, that was not very good at all. But um, Music Complete from 2015 um, was excellent. Yeah, really, oh, I really, forgot really about that album. And I love New Order. Damn, damn me. Um, okay, that goes to show what a shit fan I am. Um, but, um, but uh, oh, and I remember Robert Plant with Alison Krauss made an incredible album, like maybe in 2004 and stuff. And it's like, well, okay, he's in his, he was in his 70s or 60s, you know, and he made, you know, y- you can be a, a very, very, how can I say this without sounding ageist? Uh, you can make very exciting music in your later phase, no? And Right, but this album, you can call it good, bad, 
uh, well-crafted, whatever, but exciting, I don't think. No. It's, it's not. But I don't think you, you have to strive for that in their age. This is what I mean. They don't have to uh, reach young audiences. They just have to sort of play to the their audience, which has grown with them. And and younger enthusiasts like myself, I feel young listening to it because I'd be the youngest person in a Tears for Fears concert, maybe, <laughs> or maybe not. Because now there's a thing, you know, because Drake and Kanye and all these artists are keep name dropping Tears for Fears or Enya and stuff. Uh, you know, I mean, let's let's look at the credits here. Uh, every, Kanye f- featuring Miley Cyrus and Travis Scott and Lupe Fiasco uh, sampled uh, everyone wants to rule the world on a black skinhead remix, if I'm not mistaken. And yeah, yeah, I was listening to it just the other day, and uh, it, yeah, it, it's quite something. I mean, like if you look at, I, I was just sort of casually looking at the people who had sampled hmm. um, Tears Fizz. It's unbelievable. It's like you know the cream of the musical world. It's like you know Kanye West and The Weeknd, um, and uh, all right, Buster Rhymes, Kanye West again. I mean. Uh, MOP, there we go, MOP. Um, and Culture Beat, there we go, um, lovely. Um, but <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, Drake, uh, as I think think you said, it's it's unbelievable the kind of people who um, you know who have have sampled. And obviously there was that iconic, no, not not Tears for Fears, but with Phil Collins. I think it was P Diddy or all the bigger rappers of the nineties. They were like, yeah, yeah, making Phil Collins a thing. And then all of a sudden there was that iconic moment in The Hangover when um, Mike Tyson sings uh, in the air tonight, you know, with his, with his little high-pitched voice and his lisp. And he's like, I can feel it coming. And it is true. There's like, it's like almost Disney scene drama. Like, okay, this is the song where the, 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 the hero arrives and he's going to face off, you know, I can feel it in the air tonight. And it's all very dramatic and, and over the top, which is perfect for sampling hip-hop stories, you know, all yeah. these tales of... In the Be, like, being a Disney soundtrack look-alike uh, kind of album, it's not... I didn't say it in a bad way. No. That's how I felt, but to me, that that's good. Like, it's a style. Strong archetypes, you know, strong... Yeah, like, it's it's telegraphed. Like, this is the moment that you have to play this and that. Yeah, I, know, I get it. I understand your reference. Anyway, uh, speaking of Kanye, ha- have you had the chance to buy a $200 10-player... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> and listen to that. I, 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 I was expecting you to, Johan. Come on, you I'm, love Kanye. I love you. Kanye, love his stuff. You love everything he does. But two hundred dollars? Nah, I'm not. Uh, you know, it, it, it just looks like the kind of toy that it might be worth something. You know what I like? The fact that he didn't release an release it as an NFT. You know, oh, he released yeah, yeah. A, a physical object that I thought it was a good gift. It's like if he would have rolled that out pre Christmas. I might have given it to someone as a as a Christmas gift because it's you know it's like ah it's fun and it looks like it's fun to play with, in a, and it's a nice sort of it it looks like it's a nice object to have in your hand and stuff you know it's one of those very well designed products but uh, and I and I and I think it's brave of him to try to use his considerable platform to introduce a product with which he can be a bit more independent rather than releasing it on you know turning his back on a hundred million dollar deal from Apple or kind of like that. Yep. Allegedly, do you reckon? Do you reckon they offer? Yeah, of course. No, I don't know. I, they, uh, these people have lots of money, and they do. Yeah. And if you have to convince Canyon to be like, I don't know if the only platform, but the platform that launches his album, and everyone's talking about it because he's making the greatest marketing um, strategy of going crazy online. Yeah. You gave him a hundred million dollars or whatever you have. Because you will make profit out of it either way. But I think I've talked about this before. I quite like people to release albums and then it's finished. There's yes. a defin- there's definitive version. I don't like it oh, when people yeah, keep yeah, on. Yeah. But that's the thing. Like with um, with stem play, the idea is like you can play around with it basically. And I think I d- I didn't even bother to look too much into it because I was expecting you to explain it to me. <laughs> right? Do Do you want me to explain? So it? what w- did you were you supposed to buy this like online like add to my car? the stem player and then it gets to your house or yes yeah so, so w- maybe we couldn't even buy it from um overseas no or i'm sure, I'm sure you could i'm sure maybe eventually. it's just an a united states thing well feels... his be- one of his best friends is jeff bezos so i'm sure he helped him with the logistics of don't worry we'll put it on uh, you, you, you'll be you able can to get send it, it on to, Amazon <laughs> you, I, I can imagine where well, it's got its own website that's for sure uh, but can you load in other music into this stem player? 
I think you can. I think he forgot to even load his own album. Oh, dear. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I saw tweets of people being like, hey, Kanye, after I spent my $200, I think you forgot to play forgot. Upload. There's a, there's, a, there's a track that's missing from the, the version that's, on, that's now on, on streaming players. I have to say I'm I getting a little stop. bit bored of Kanye, uh, of, his, of this... I, I never you thought I'd it. say this, but it's too much. It's on record now. I know, but it's it's the I, I, I it was interesting when he uses this platform to create a bit of turn his life into a performance, like what Julia Fox was saying. You know, her it's all part of a performance mm -hmm. and this that the other. Uh, but sometimes oversharing is not mm, a good thing <laughs> for anyone. For anyone, I I can love. I don't know. I can watch hours of Niwa and Paola doing like Lords of the Rings uh, parodies on her Instagram and stuff. But I could get tired of it if it, if it's like three times a day. Mm -hmm. bum, 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 bum. Um, I don't know. Uh, but musically, yeah, what I, what I wanted to say is last night I managed to watch the second installment of Genius on Netflix. Oh, yeah. And um, I have to say it's a little bit, it could be a bit more edited. I don't know. It's, it's great that Cook. Kudi or the director, I can't remember the name, uh, has all this incredible footage of, you know, following Kanye around all, and on all, all that phase when before releasing his debut album, The College Dropout. But there's such a beautiful moment in this documentary where you see him in the kind of room that uh, uh, the, the local council uh, uh, gives a, a group for people to rehearse their gospel chants, right? In this typical sort of low-key office space or whatever. And he's got like, 50 gospel singers, but they're all dressed in plain clothes, sat on chairs. He's got the whole room mic'd up. And he, he, along, I guess it's Tony Williams, who is his current gospel choir director, musical director, um, directing the choir to sing um, Through the Wire. And you see Kanye there, like, sort of direct, you know, in, in a corner, huddled up. He's got, he's brought all these incredible people from different ages and stuff who sing in a gospel choir as a, as a sort of hobby or weekend activity. And they're all singing and it's so beautiful. Like think, wow, Kanye, you had this ability and this belief and, and, and you were doing things that no other rapper was doing and you were mixing religious with, with hip hop culture and stuff in, a, in an incredible way to create pop songs. And all of a sudden, I listened to some of Donda too, and it's like it really falls flat after w just watching that last night. It's like the thing is, like I wonder if you had made your best album ever and you knew it was your best album ever, would you only release it on a two hundred dollar device that only thousands of people are ever gonna? Yeah. Does he say this is the best album? No, no, but that that that's what I mean. Like I yeah. think maybe, oh, okay. maybe he, he like knows. he kind of knows it's not his best. Work, well, it's but... like a work in progress. That's. And I and I respect that artists who who turn their work in progress into something to be shown as well because it's always interesting to follow. Mm -hmm. It's like when you go to the Picasso Museum and you see in, in Barcelona you see his sketches of what would later become you know some of his famous works of art. But his sketches are also just as interesting as mm -hmm. the finished product. You know because you get to see uh, how his his uh, his 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 hand his paint would evolve. Same with Kanye here. It's like, okay, it's an interesting work of performance art. The fact that you're putting all these people in a stadium in Miami. Again, you're bringing Marilyn Manson out. I don't get it, but whatever. Just maybe in 10 years time, we'll think, oh. No. Nah. No. No, no but, but is he in the, in the second... Is he in Donda too as well? Maybe? I don't know what Marilyn Manson. No, yeah. I, don't. I don't know if he's credited uh, on on recorded tracks, but he was there. He was there in this, and stadium. he was just sort of walking, totally lost, like walking, like wherever Kanye would move around, Marilyn Manson would like stand next to him. Like obviously, he had no direction. It was like you just be here with me, and you know, with this burnt house behind us, and it's going to look super awesome. And it did look very interesting. You know, it looked very awesome from a staging point of view and 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 uh scenographic is that a word scenographic yeah i think so scenographic yeah. in spanish scenographico <laughs> scenographic uh it looked like um that planet where in the the avengers where they go to get the the soul stone i can't remember vol vol vol, vol uh, the purple planet where you 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 jump off a cliff and die and then you're you you get the stone. <laughs> you've you've lost me. You've lost. I'm totally lost. Sorry. I'm I'm I'm, I'm ah. whatever. Kanye. This is not his best album, but yes, uh, as a performance artist, he's still interesting to watch from time to time. And have you heard the Wanye Kest album? So okay, what is this Wanye Kest? <laughs> Donda two point two. 
<laughs> if you if you look on your streaming platforms or, or wherever it is yeah. you, you buy music, you will find, or at least you certainly could. Yes, I think it's still there. Um, a new uh, album by the oh, this funnily name Wanye Kest. That's what I've been listening to all morning, thinking no. it was kind no. of no. no. Ah! Oh my god, you fell into Wanye. I'm Wanye's. dyslexic. I fell into the trap. <laughs> I, I I do this. I didn't. I didn't. Oh, oh it's no. not good. That's awful, though. I mean, he, it's not even meant to be good, is it? Oh, so there's me like that. Well, my judgment was based on this. This I've been trolled. It feature, but oh. did, did you not think not this thing. is like absolutely incredibly amateur for Kanye West? Yeah, that's... I mean, like it's it's just. I, I think we can say it's not even meant to be good. It's just like it's the kind of thing you you <laughs> any of us might knock up in in about yeah. like ten minutes. It's not tears for fears. I can tell you that. <laughs> I found it. I, I is it wrong? I find this quite funny. It no, yeah, it's 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 the best. But who is he? Who or she? Yeah, who, who is behind Wanye Kest? Who on earth knows? I mean, there's like there's not uh, a great deal of uh, information. Let me see. Um, but loads of people must have li- look. It's already well, no. Uh, and there's like credited artists. They're like Adios. Ah, I love that you can you can. Uh, I didn't know this. It's probably always been there. But Rob showed me the other day that you can see the credits of each song on Spotify. And uh, it just says, uh, performed by Wanye Kest, written by Tony, mm-hmm. in small caps, <laughs> produced by mm, Dash. Uh, but still, yeah, sometimes... It, well, anyway, yeah, no, never mind. See, I, I, thought, I thought this was like some massive, massive big thing that he'd got loads and loads of listeners. Because I read a no. news story that basically said that uh, it was, what was it, um, in the top 20 of the US iTunes hip-hop chart was uh, done to by Wanya Kest, which apparently it was. But I, um, And I thought, wow, it must be doing really, really big. But uh, no, I mean, he's on 6,756 monthly listens. And basically the, the songs of this album, the, the very most has had 4,843 listens at time of, of uh, speaking. And I suspect many of them might have been Johan. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, am, I uh, love this plot twist to the yeah, discovery you you've imagine? been listening to, to the fake Kanye West. <laughs> it was album, the real thing, and I was like, "This time. is very underwhelming." Like, I read a shit, I read a bad re- a review of it on a, on the New Musical Express, and it was very underwhelming. So I thought, "Yeah, yeah, it really is." You know, and, and as I say, after seeing that that scene in Genius uh, when he's <laughs> directing the choir, it's like this is really flat. Okay. <laughs> I've been duped live. But I am excited about the fact that he's been in the studio with Beach House, who, by the way, re- released um, Once, Twice Melody. Once, Twice Melody. Last Sounds week. Right, and yeah. it was going to be our album of the week, but we decided to talk about Alice Glass's uh, Pray For. But uh, Beach House, uh, very welcome return. But I'm really excited to hear of that pairing because Beach House is another band that has been incredibly sampled by hip hop acts. Yeah, yeah, Kendrick yeah. Lamar, famously The Weeknd, well, on on his first uh, mixtapes. Uh, Although, wouldn't you? If I was in Beach House, I'd be slightly pissed off that I was working with Kanye West now as opposed to ten years ago. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because. Um, like you might Why? make this song you're like this is going to smash the charts got a big payday coming in and he releases it on his stem player and he's like yeah. sorry guys here's $10 <laughs> or and you know it's like here's $10 now stand next to Marilyn Manson while we <laughs> while we do this concert oh no uh, really yeah, can't we go back to when it was you <laughs> and all the coolest rappers alive you know most Dev you know Talib Kweli where, where are they <laughs> but you know it's so funny because he keeps like all of a sudden he's back with Noriega from Capone and Noriega obviously you know after after his incredible interview on Drink Champs, but they've been working together on this Donda 2. Uh, Future was overlooking. So it's Beach House fits so well with the current, or not not even current, but the trap music that was made popular by people like Future or even Kendrick when he went more trappy and stuff. So I think it is an interesting point in Beach House's career where it's like, you all knew it. But we were doing our own thing and, you know, doing projects, side projects with Fleet Foxes and covering, mm, what's his name? No Other. What was the No Other Orchestra? They were homaging Crosby, Stills, Nash. You've you've really lost me. I'm I'm in a cloud. Sorry. Anyway, Beats House, we're in another thing. And all of a sudden, now is there time to say, hey, uh, now that trap is like one of the biggest genres ever in the world and stuff, it's like Beats House is a band that was... Very much loved by samplers, just like Tears for Fears was in 90s and 2000s rap. Uh, I'm trying to bring it all together, trying to make sense of this salad. Should we listen to Wanye Kest? 
Okay. Please, I can wait. <laughs> This is his greatest hit, Security. this music makes me feel like the total opposite emotion of euphoria oh, oh my god man <laughs> i'm waking up <laughs> i'm back baby i'm back <laughs> mar you've been you you you've been excited haven't you watching season two Was yes season two Season two, yeah, yeah. because And there was those uh, those impasse episodes that yeah, were like no, like loose. a spin-off kind of well, yeah. special episode. COVID, yeah, COVID uh, pandemic. Yeah, resulting. we had Euphoria season one, and then COVID hit. They couldn't like film season two for a long time, so they just got um, Zendaya and Hunter Schaffer, or however Hunter. you say her name, um, <laughs> and and make like a one episode special of their characters. Mm-hmm. Before and we, then season two. Before we review season two, can I ask a question? Mm-hmm. What is your <laughs> Am I, as a person who was born in 1977, allowed to watch Euphoria or is that incredibly creepy? No, my mom loves Euphoria. Really? <gasps> yeah. She's not afraid yeah. of for you and your sister when she's like, oh my God. Or no, because like you're like 40. The, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 she all passed that. You're out phase. of the danger zone, my God. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Euphoria, it finished uh, season two and, and I have to come here every week and talk about whatever's on my, my mind. And this week it has always obviously been um, the last episode. And I know, Johan, you watched the first season because we talked about it and you haven't watched the second yet. I know, I've, it's homework, it's homework. I haven't yeah. had the moment. So I'm coming with the thing that will get you to watch it, which is gossip. The behind-the-scenes gossip, yes. which is the only important Salsa. part. <laughs> um, and I'm going to start from the most wholesome kind of gossip and then increasingly get more cursed. Uh-huh. To the, um, and when we get to, to the director and this person or who he is and how maybe creepy he is, then <gasps> the, I, I will save that for last because it's... it's He's a weird person, and we've seen that um, through the episodes. But let's begin with um, what what has been happening behind the scenes on Euphoria. Uh-huh. And first off, I want to talk about the makeup. Because if one thing made Euphoria famous was the aesthetic, and yeah. a big part of it was the makeup. Yeah. And we knew... Uh, before watching season two, that it would be just as excellent as season one or even more. And the cool part about um, having like this second round is that we, most of us, the people that love Euphoria, were already following the, the makeup artist from last season. So each week we got a post um, on her Instagram explaining like to the detail, the maximum detail, each makeup um, look the characters wore mm. and what it meant. It was so interesting because... It's not like, oh, yeah, they have glitter and uh, eyeshadow and very bold lipstick, whatever. No, it's <laughs> it's like she puts a lot of thought into each makeup look and what the character is going through and what the character represents or whatever. And, for example, she um, one, one scene, she explained in a post, like one scene that's like maybe three seconds long that you barely see the makeup. She went like, oh, yes, you see this scene in, in which Jules like answers to whatever her father asked her, but she's not very sure. If you look closely, you'll see that in her eyeliner, there's three dots which like represent this doubt that she's feeling. And, and I was like, what the fuck? The, the, the minimum detail she goes into, like this scene, you, 
you forgot instantly like mm. it was very short and then you go to to your instagram and this post pops up and you're like oh my god i love this i love that <laughs> every single detail is curated to this level and for example lexi which becomes a, a bigger per, um, character this season and um, progressively gets more like bolder um, makeup looks and and you can see it um, through each episode she begins with very minimal makeup and by the end she has a bolder like eyeliner and stuff mm. like that and 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 it's like purposely done like it, wow. i i love that they put this this detail into the makeup because it obviously is a big part in euphoria you go online and there's like thousands and mi thousands no millions of, of <laughs> makeup tutorials like euphoria makeup tutorial um and mimicking um the character like maddie or whoever is wearing the coolest makeup in the episode shout out to our director marta salicru she's always doing inspired by euphoria and some of her she has some of the best eye makeup ever and uh congratulations she's been featured in four magazine as one of the top uh, most influential podcasters along with uh, Isa Calderon and Lucia Lichmayer from Deforme Semanal. Bravo, Marta. Yep, she's the best. Directora de Radio Primavera Sound. <laughs> <laughs> um, featured in Forbes. Um, yeah, but, and, and she has the, the <laughs> coolest eyeshadows at like the characters and maybe um, we'll get to have even cooler um, makeup looks um, as um, ordinary people because the obviously A24 the company that produces um, Euphoria mm -hmm. and lots of cool Some hipster of the best movies yeah. <laughs> okay. uh, oh, don't be so reductive yeah. <laughs> I, it, like I love them but uh, it is what it is, it is, what it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, they, they have seen that it's the easiest money grab to come out with a makeup line and, and Donnie Dabby with who is the makeup artist, um, will launch with A24 a makeup line called Half, Half Magic. And but, it hasn't even launched yet, but they have wow. all my money already. Like, take my money, <laughs> I want the eyeshadows. But have they paired with a cosmetic company at least? Like, um, No, I think they're... They're the cosmetic company. Oh. Like I bet there's like the one who produces it, some yeah. sort of already existing, but the, the company will be called Half Magic. And I, I love that. Why half magic? Magic? Is it a reference to something said or? I have some... no idea, probably, but I haven't looked that much into it. By the way, amazing. Lexi Howard is played by Maud Apatow, uh, Judd Apatow's eldest daughter, oui. who he's been putting in his movies ever since she was yep. a toddler. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We Hot. love nepotism babies. Yes. I, I yeah. have said it before and I will say it again. <laughs> bring them on. Bring them on. They're talented, you know, sometimes. You know, and even if they're not, I love seeing how <laughs> celebrities pair together look, which is like a baby or an adult. Now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Next um, gossip. Um, not gossip. Well, yeah, maybe. Um, Tom Holland and Zendaya before yes. they're together. We stand. Um, before the um, Euphoria even premiered, they were um, promoting the new Spider-Man movie. Yeah. And in the interviews, um, Tom Holland explained, well, I don't know who asked, but they asked, talked um, about Euphoria a bit. And Tom Holland explained that he was almost every day on set with um, Zendaya because I, apparently they cannot be separated for more than two minutes. Mm. Um, so... Um, he hinted at the idea that he may be in uh, in the background of some episode <laughs> or so like a small cameo. So I was all um, throughout the season trying to spot <laughs> Tom Holland, like finding Wally or I don't know how you say it in. Yeah, yeah. In where's Wally? Yeah. Isn't it Waldo? That's the Americans. Oh, yeah. Okay, Americans. Yeah. Why would the Americans change its name to Waldo? It sounds more Spanish than I th Wally. I think they didn't the Americans invent it. So I think, oh. I think it was the other way. Remember, that's, I, I used to love, that used to be like a children's insult in England, like, you're such a Wally. Don't be <laughs> such a Wally, no? Remember, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you're such a Wally. And, you know, it was very inoffensive. It wasn't like a, a, a bad swear word, but, you know, when, when you're saying someone is being silly, you're saying, oh, you're being a Wally. <laughs> well, Tom Sorry. Holland probably is in Boomer. Euphoria, but I haven't seen him in any of the episodes. So you can try, but I don't think he even makes it on screen. But <laughs> it was a game for me. <laughs> I don't know if for other people. And... That's basically all the wholesome 
gossip behind the scenes stuff we can get out of Euphoria because all the other part is cursed. H hang on, I understand that Sydney Sweeney, who plays Cassie, and she was uh, one of the beloved characters mm -hmm. of White Lotus, one of the you know yeah, the, 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 the woke uh, teenagers yeah. you know of the rich family. Uh, I've heard that she's quite the revelation in this second. Yeah, season, yeah, yes? yeah. I will talk about her in a bit, but in oh, the okay. cursed section. Okay. This is the oh, wholesome, cursed, cursed okay. haunted. Um, demonic section um but well no before i go to the demonic section i will talk about <laughs> my favorite part which is like in the middle of wholesome and bad and um, which is the conspiracy theory regarding alexa the miss h because i don't know if you've seen the memes but everyone's gone into this collective like neurosis trying to discover how old she is because she said um in like a some interviews that she is in her mid-20s, but she hasn't specified um, exactly which date she was born in. And people are pretty sure she is actually 30 or more, but she cannot say it because she's playing a high schooler, so it would be weird. But there's photo evidences of her with the most random celebrities dating from like 2009. What? And and she obviously is like kind of grown to be with these celebrities partying like there's a picture of her when she looks like younger with the Kardashians but the Kardashians like pre-Kanye Kardashians so the the OG Kardashian moment in which they were like a little bit tackier and stuff then there's a picture of her with uh, Azealia Banks and she is even in a in a music video of with Azealia hang on, hang on. who are we talking about? Let Alexia Alexa Demi um, she plays Maddie um, like Nate's on and off girlfriend, I hear. Yeah, is he a singer? Is Nate. He, yeah. Nate. Ah, Nate, the character. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ah, I didn't know that. Sorry, yeah, sorry. Jacob Elordi. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, I was just trying to be clever because yeah. I was obviously looking it up. Yeah, but um, we were talking oh, about Alexa the actor. Demi. Yeah. Okay, okay. She's so pretty. She is the best. She looks but a bit she... like Selena Gomez. No. Well, at least mm. in this photo that I'm checking now, Alexa Demi. Yeah, and and she's amazing. But everyone's like obsessed with discovering how old is she because she's making it such a mystery and these pictures keep popping up and, and it doesn't make any sense that she's friends with Azealia Banks, Grimes, Sky Ferreira, the Kardashians. Um, now uh, paparazzi pictures of her today with Rosalia and then oh. the week before with Bella Hadid and it's like, how can, how, how can you have had this many encounters and this many friendships in your life like I think the question is not how old is she but how many lives has she lived because it's impossible that all of this has happened just in the lifespan of, of a normal person Look, and uh then her genetics are so good. They're a bit like Salma Hayek, who's also mm. of, uh, well, she's Salma Hayek is Mexican. Alexia mm. is uh, of ascend Mexican ascendants, <laughs> born in the US, but, uh, um, but I guess, you know, you could put um, Salma Hayek in Euphoria and I yeah. think you could convince <laughs> yeah. people that she's also a teenager <laughs> with the right makeup. Yeah, and then people have been making <laughs> memes out of <laughs> trying to discover um, how old is she and, and it's it's like it has gotten to the point like people have been photoshopping her in historical events like um, Alexa spotted in the Declaration of Independence Alexa leaving the crucifixion of Jesus Christ um, and stuff like this I'm looking at a very good picture of her at the Salem witch trials in 16th yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's like yeah she's been everywhere it's impossible to discover her age because she's ageless she's been around forever <laughs> literally but that's it that's that's oh. the the good part about it, now let's get into the bad, which is Sam Levinson, which just saying his name feels like I'm saying a slur because everyone hates this man so much. Really? What? Because he's super rich and successful. Know, and I'm another gonna... another nepo nepotism. He's yeah, the son of Barry he's a Levinson. He's baby. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, Hollywood. He's a Hollywood child. Yep. Um, so how is it possible that simultaneously people love Euphoria but despise its creator? Well, there's many reasons why he was trending each week on Twitter, not in a good way, and I will break it up for you so you get the idea and then watch the show so I can talk about it with someone. Um, so the first thing people... Mm, well, not the first, but it's the first I'm going to talk about. Um that people pointed out, it's that cat, um, if you remember, played by Barbie Ferreira, um, yeah. which was one of the characters that, to my point of view, had the most potential to like develop, and I wanted to see how her storyline went on season two. Well, she was 
murder. There was a hate crime committed on this season and it was the assassination of the character of Kat because she has like barely three minutes of screen time throughout the whole season, like the whole eight episodes. Mm -hmm. We see Kat like for maybe three minutes and she has like two lines and no, this is this is bad enough by itself, but knowing that in the last episode we get a three-minute-long sing-along song moment by Dominic Fike, who plays a new character, it's like, how did you have the time to put this man in a tiny desk concert in the last, very last episode of the season, yeah. and you couldn't even bother to develop Kat's story throughout the whole eight episodes? Well, wow. we have the answers, and you know who answered that? Demoa, which is the source that I explained oh, a few chapters. Oh, yeah, Demoa! If you don't know what Demoa is, you can go back a few episodes where we went on and on about what it was. Instagram what? gossip, right? Yeah, Demoa. In stories, yeah. Demoa, 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 damn it. Okay, hang on, hang on. Is Barbie Ferreira this, uh, related to America Ferreira, no. who did Ugly Betty? No, but they share uh, a short name. But no, okay. no, she, she, she's oh, just... Uh, everyone seems to be someone's yeah, everyone's cousin or people, son yeah, or yeah. whatever. <laughs> so, not that I know of. Okay. Well, Demoa, um, before the season... Um, premiered and aired and everything um, put out uh, an, an anonymous tip as they do that said that allegedly Barbie didn't agree with Kat's second season plot and then got a into an argument with Levinson about it walked off of set and in, in, in repercussion of what happened Levinson decided to cut her um, role down dra dramatically to the point of literal assassination. No, she doesn't <laughs> die. But she, um, we get uh, a first, like, I think it's in the second episode, we see like a kind of development which seems interesting. And then suddenly by the third, it's like none of this happened. And, and Kat starts the few seconds she has on screen, it, the things she does doesn't even match the, the character's um, thing that would do I don't know. It it just it, you could really tell that uh, um, something went on, yeah. and it comes to prove that Demoa tips are pretty much always correct <laughs> because <laughs> we didn't know that would be true, and it was true. And the rumors are even more certified as plausible because she was the only actress that didn't go to the red carpet premiere of Euphoria. So we got Ooh. pictures of everyone. Um, but Barbie wasn't there. Ooh, so the absence yep. speaks volumes. Yeah. But uh, oh, sorry, have you got something to say about Dominic, Dominic Fike? Because all of a sudden he's appearing everywhere now as as a as a musician mainly. And it's like yeah, why he's like a new character. Um, yeah. And what would we like? There's two new characters basically: Dominic Fike and another girl that I will talk about later, which I love. I'm not opposed to new characters. It's a new season, new things can happen. But Dominic <laughs> Fike's um, character is... I I don't like him and he got this kind of tiny desk concert in the middle of the last episode and everyone was freaking out because it was the last episode that, and pressure was on. And then we got to sit during three minutes to this man singing and it, I think Sam Levinson thought he was doing something cute and, and everyone's so mad about it. And it's not Dominic's fault because he just did what he was asked to do, but it pissed me off. And it also pissed <laughs> me off that um, not only Kat's um, character was assassinated, Jules is also kind of done wrong in this season because her character arc um, is also pretty much non-existent and we got this one-off episode in which she developed her character excellently and mm. and the, the writing was amazing and and the thing is it was co-written by Hunter herself so maybe that was why it was so good because Sam had to share um, the, the writing part um, and and Dominic Fike gets in between Jules and and Rue and it doesn't really make sense even the actress herself said at first I was like wait why are they throwing like a dude in the middle of this which is like I agree Hunter I don't know what why they did they did that Sam Levinson you can answer um, um, silence speaks wait, volumes are they dating in the real life yep. Dominic and Hunter <laughs> yeah, they, they are but oh. she still doesn't want the character she plays. Yeah. But they are dating in real in life. In real life. Cute. Cute. This is the gossip He's that I He's very know. handsome. I mean, he uh, looks very is. cool. 
the prettiest. No, uh, who? Uh, bo both of them are. Both of them, yeah, both. But I mean, this I guy, this yeah. guy is gonna break the internet in the sense of, you know, how sometimes you think, who is the new t the, the new teenage icon or something like a Justin Bieber? Or, you know, Pete Davidson is almost too old now to be like, or even Timothy Chalamet is now mm. uh, more of a man that you know he's not. He's kind of outliving his teenage heartthrob face. But this guy, Dominic Feige, looks like a rough skater. He looks like he's super talented. He's got his tattoos. He looks edgy, but at the same time, and and now that he's like he's in a relationship with Hunter Schaefer, yep. wow! They can be a neat couple. It's almost like too cool. Like okay, let's <laughs> let's let's bring it down a little bit. Come on, let's not be so awesome all the time. Oh, I agree. Sorry. Well, um, getting progressively worse. Um, let's go into Cassie and Sydney Sweeney's character and nudity as a whole. Um, because obviously in Euphoria, um, it's not a, a show that's like PR, PR, P PG, P PG, PC, PC, PG, 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 parental guidance. Yeah. Uh, Appropriate. Is... We know there's drug use, sex and um, nudity. We are okay with it. It's mm -hmm. cool. Whatever. In, in the first season, there was nudity. And to me, that was not a big deal. But in this season, I do see that maybe there's a bit more, um, especially regarding the character of Cassie. And I understand that Cassie is a character made like to satire, make a satire out of um, the male fantasy, of the male fantasy of what a woman should be. And, and she tries to fit that so much that she goes crazy in, in this season. Ah. And... And I love that, and I get that. That's why, in some scenes, she has to be hyper hypersexualized and maybe show her boobs. But there's a point in which we don't need that much of Cassie's boobs, um, and it <laughs> it gets you to a point of thinking: Is this satire, or is the director enjoying this a bit too, too much? much? I find those things are a bit harsh because mm. it's like it, it's very much you like having your cake and eating it isn't it it's like oh no no this is satire but like and no one you can't prove that it isn't if you see what i mean yeah. you can't prove it isn't satire it's like no it's satire but it's like yeah but at the same time yeah that's really... what people have been wondering like okay we get it but mm, and the thing that has proven that maybe we are correct of having like a brow a bit raised <laughs> is that um there's been interviews um with all the actresses, of course, because um, everyone's talking about it. And and when asked about this, for example, Sydney Sweeney said like, oh no, everything was totally consented and talked about. But then she said stuff like, oh, when I thought that maybe in some scene, Cassie didn't need to be naked in that, I would tell Sam and he would be okay with it. But it's like, why, why to begin with, was she naked if even the actress thought it was unnecessary? Like, if... Like and it's not that there's not nudity in this season. So even if the cutout mm, version of it has already a lot of nudity, why to begin with, um, pieces had to be cut out of because there was even more. Mm. Like I don't know. Like if she had to go to the point of asking him to change a scene, even though he agreed to, to me it's kind of weird. And there's another actress who plays like the mother of a baby that Maddie is babysitting also said that the first day she was on set and the director um, said that maybe Maddie shouldn't zip her dress and, and then the dress would fall down to the ground, leaving her completely naked. And she was like, maybe for the first day on set, that's not necessary for the plot and everything. And he was like, okay, but you sense a pattern here. Like he tries, he's okay with um, listening to others, but why would you need that to happen if doesn't add that much to the plot? Mm. And... Another one, which is my favorite new character, played by Chloe Cherry, um, and she's called Faye. And it's this girl with this massive ultra um, f filler lips. Like, uh, she has a very big fillers on her lips, and I love her. Uh -huh. um, and she also had to be naked in the first scene she was on. And it was her co-star, the the dude that plays her boyfriend that said to Sam, hey, I think this is not like the best um, thing to begin with for her if she's, it's the first day. And Sam was okay with it, but why did the co-star, another person that wasn't even himself, um, need to go out of his way to tell the director, like, hey, cut it off? Um, I'm not really sure. And what makes it even creepier is Chloe Cherry. Um, it was formerly, um, before doing Euphoria, a porn star. And... How, and you wonder, was she? Chloe Terry. Yeah, um, and you oh. wonder, oh, how did Sam discover this girl? Well, one of her porn movies is um, like a Jules and Rule 
and rule like Oh, scene, like a fake, like a reenactment thing, but porn style. Oh my and, god! And 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 it's like, why would Sam Levinson <laughs> be looking at that and then thinking? Well, oh, they are the yeah, characters but, he created. Yeah, but why yeah, would you look but... at porn of your own characters? It's like, <laughs> oh, imagine if Hunter and Zendaya were fucking ultra hard, and let's see if someone did that in, on 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 porn sites. <laughs> it's like uh, that freaks me out I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna recall uh, uh, I remember going to the video shop back in the my when I was a youth uh-oh. when I was like <laughs> I was what nine or maybe I was 11 years old and there was a video shop the, yeah, Mar, yeah. there used to be video clubs and you would rent VHS tapes right and uh, I remember I'd seen the trailer for Dick Tracy the, the, the oh, with uh, what's his name uh, the, with Madonna and Warren Beatty, right? And Dick, and they did this version, Al Pacino and prosthetics. And I saw the trailer, no? And, and Dick Tracy wore this really bright yellow, the bright red yellow coat, right? And a yellow hat. So I go into this video club and I see from a distance this yellow coat and this, uh, this yellow hat, you know, the uh, Borsalino hat. And I run to it, grab it. It's like, oh, that, that Dick movie that I saw the trailer of. <laughs> I don't know. It was a porno version, and it was Dick Black, <laughs> and this black guy. And you switch the, you switch the round, and you see him like in all these suggestive poses, you know. <laughs> and the guy in the video, the clerk, he was like, "Aha, pequeño guarrete, you little. What are you doing watching this?" I'm like, "Oh no, no, I didn't. This is not what I saw. Sorry, sorry, sorry." Um, That's probably what happened to Sam Levinson. No, I just wanted to see my own TV show and I got confused and I ended up watching a porn of it. It's like, yeah. it's, you know, I just wanted to check out, maybe I had to sue them for copyright infringement, you know, that kind of thing. It's like, yeah. No, no, I was just for research. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, th- th- my final conclusion of this evil, evil man. No, it's not that evil, but everyone hates him. And so I, I like to hate him on too. Um, it's the issue that, that brings all this together. Mm-hmm. It's that this man is not only the creator, director, but also the only writer of the show. Like normally um, in, in shows, there's like a writer's room, plural, yeah. like many yeah. people write a show so yeah. it makes sense and and this man decided no 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 i'm the greatest not only filmmaker and creator but also writer so i can do that by myself and it's like even if you are you would still need the the assistance of people because maybe you are missing something mm. or maybe like a plot holes there's a bit of plot holes i didn't even get into the plot but there's plot holes happening uh, but especially if you're writing a show about teenagers dealing through addiction queerness being transgender poc communities all of this stuff who you who you're haven't experienced because you're a cis straight white male which mm. can still make you a great filmmaker but you haven't de- dealt with many of the things you're talking about yeah Maybe you need assistance and and will you will profit out of it. You will get the like better show and I don't know I, to me that she would benefit from having a woman help him in her the writer's room, mm. someone who has dealt with queerness and uh, or being transgender or I think he has dealt with addiction, so that's his thing like oh, all my characters are me in a sense, so mm. it's my story, my baby, but still mm, get some help, Sam. And <laughs> one of the funniest things I saw on Twitter is that um, everyone kind of agreed that episode five was uh, great. So, <laughs> but everyone agrees that Sam Levinson is bad. So, oh, um, oh man, I feel bad. So right imagine now. being uh, someone tweeted. Imagine being such an insanely unwell writer that the one outstanding episode of the season has people saying you must have hired a ghost writer <gasps> because nobody believed <laughs> that oh. that episode was written by him. But yeah. Um, I have said all of this, but still I stand with the with Euphoria. I love Euphoria, um, and and I will be watching each season they put out. Um, if they put out seasons forever, I will watch forever, mm-hmm. and I do still stand by um, whatever I said today, which feels like I've destroyed Euphoria, but I I haven't. I love it as Rosalia says very wisely. Um, me contradigo. Yo me transformo. Soy toda la cosa. Yo me transformo. Ah, and on that yeah. note, yeah, we have no more time. So Sorry, no. Don't I tried worry. to make it. That short. is an absolute 
epic dive into euphoria. Yeah, no, I definitely want to watch it right now, but I've got so many shows on the my, back burner. My big takeaway was your mum watched it, so it's okay for me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Basically. So I know that came right at the start, but that's been like going around the head ever since. <laughs> anyway, that was, you will listen to the weekly review. Make sure you tune in tomorrow to the Spanish edition of the weekly daily, La Weekly Radio Formula, and also Friday when Ben Cardew will take over the reins. I got a guest. Oh, who? Again? Uh, it's a producer who is coming in. He's called Tommy Impey. Nice. Yeah. Okay. And you can enjoy the latest interview with Sons of Kemet, who are playing in Madrid tonight and play Barcelona tomorrow at the Apollo. Um, good music is everywhere. Bye-bye for now. Came home, say around a quarter to three, still so high.